Hi guys, hello and welcome back to the Irish Balance podcast. If you are a new listener, listener, excuse me, if you're a new listener, thank you very much for checking out this podcast. My name is Kira Kelly. I'm a medical doctor specializing in public health medicine based in Galway in Ireland. If you're a regular listener, then you know who I am. And whether you're a new or a regular listener, you'll find me at The Irish Balance on Instagram and my blog is www.theirishbalance.com. Thanks so much for coming back to listen to this podcast episode. Just putting a quick note ahead of today's episode. Um, Today's conversation is with someone I have been so excited to get onto the podcast for quite some time and it is Tally Rye who is a non-diet, weight-inclusive personal trainer, fitness instructor and content creator living and working in London and she's also the author of the book Train Happy and podcast host of the Train Happy podcast which lots of you guys will have seen me tag um, over and over again each week and I really do think Tally is um, a true game changer in the fitness industry. She shares so much of her own journey in a really compassionate and inclusive way um, and she is a great proponent of the concept of intuitive movement which we talk about in this episode and I suppose an overall um, advocate for a healthy relationship with food and exercise which is something that I have really been working on myself on a personal level um, particularly um, in the last couple of, last few years of my 20s shall we say. Now I've done a proper introduction with Tally in our conversation in this episode but I just wanted to put a quick note ahead of this podcast just to say that this podcast does include conversation about diet culture, about our relationships with food and exercise both good and bad, about body image and weight and we also discuss a little bit about um, the use of activity tracking apps. So if you don't feel that um, those topics are something you're comfortable or in a position to listen to right now maybe save this one for another time um, and and skip it for now. Otherwise, thanks so much for listening. I really enjoyed this episode with Tally and I hope you guys do too. And as always, please do um, let me know what you think of the podcast and you can slide into my DMs to share thoughts about it. You can tag myself and Tally on your stories if you're listening to it. I'm at the Irish Balance. She's at Tally Rye. And as always, if you want to leave a glowing review, I'd really appreciate it. Um, So yeah, thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you guys for the next episode and I really hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hi guys, hello and welcome back to the Irish Balance podcast. If you're a new listener to this podcast, you're very welcome. My name is Kira Kelly. I'm a medical doctor specialising in public health, working in Galway in Ireland. And if you're a regular listener, then you already know who I am and you know where to find me at the Irish Balance on Instagram. Uh, today, I'm so excited to bring you guys a brand new podcast episode, and it is with someone who I've been trying to get on the podcast for a good while, and our schedules were were tricky to, to bring together, but thankfully, a second lockdown has helped us make it work. Um, so today's guest is Tally Rye, and Tally is someone I've been following on social media for probably a good few years now, actually, and I'm inspired over and over again by her content an overall message. Tally is a non-diet, weight-inclusive personal trainer, fitness instructor, and content creator living and working in London, um, working with clients, teaching classes, and she's also the author of the book Train Happy and podcast. On social media, sharing her own personal journey with health and fitness, promoting the concept of intuitive fitness and prioritizing our happiness, health and well-being. Um, 
I think, Tally, we first met uh, four years ago um, at Wellfest for the first time. And I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. So welcome. Thanks again for, for being my guest today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast as well. And I'm really happy we could make this happen. Um, and yes, Wellfest was four years ago, which... It's just mm-hmm. wild. And I was meant to Isn't be coming it? back to Wellfest this year. And then obviously with the pandemic oh, yes. and everything, it yeah. wasn't happening. And I was so looking forward to coming back to Ireland because I've only ever had that one less than 24 hours in Dublin. And I really wanted to come back. I remember that. That was so, yeah, it was 2016. And that was my first Wellfest, too. And I remember you were with you were over with kind of the Girl Gains brand as such and I know you guys gave a talk and it was just brilliant at the time it was a real I think for me it was a real game changer to kind of meet you and meet uh meet the other girls as well because you spoke quite a lot about health and fitness and it just it was a fresh perspective for me and something that gave me a lot of food for thought walking away and I actually stopped using an app to track my own food the day that I heard you guys speak so that was a a big thing for me at the time so thank you retrospectively for that (laughs) Wow, I feel, I feel like we've probably been on a similar journey together. And mm. um, yeah, I think at the time, I you know, even then I feel like I have grown so much personally and professionally in mm. the last four years. But I recognize that, yes, even then I was encouraging people to stop tracking their food. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was in the making, Sally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'd love to start with your story. I think that's, that's something I always try and do when I have a guest in the podcast, because I think it's really interesting to hear um, your background and where you've come from. And I've obviously given a little bit of an intro there, but I think we'd love to hear uh, hear your own words of of who you are and what you do and what's brought you to where you are today in, in 10 words or less. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really rubbish with 10 words or less so you're probably gonna get a few more. That's fine. (laughs) So I am a personal trainer um, by trade however my fitness journey started pre me becoming a personal trainer and actually when I was at drama school and Mm. it was at that time I really discovered health and fitness wanting to be the fittest and healthiest performer I could be and therefore I equated that to being the thinnest performer I could be because that's what I understood health and fitness to be. I what felt like a real passion at the time and in retrospect was quite the obsession um mm. lit my fire for 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 health and fitness and i qualified as a personal trainer after graduating um and you know since my time at drama school and you know through becoming a personal trainer and going on to work in the industry i've documented that online uh, primarily mm. on instagram and so I have, I think, you know, been online in some capacity for almost eight years, I think. I was doing some calculations and I couldn't believe it. Um, eight years, wow. That's yeah, a lot. I think, I think so. Um, however, it it just doesn't feel like that. But I, like you mentioned, I've been on a certainly a personal and professional journey and mm. have gone from being you know, wanting to do the best thing in health and fitness and and understanding that to be, you know, losing weight, um, having visible abs, being mm. lean and and all those things and really realizing that for me that I just could not sustain that constant effort, the constant um the constant checking of my body, the constant checking of what I was eating, the constant um just the constant thinking the constant mm. thinking and monitoring of what I everything I was eating everything I was doing and I realized it was unsustainable for me um and 
I very slowly actually started to really resonate with what I now understand to be um, the anti-diet perspective. And I think anti-diet always sounds really dramatic. Um, Mm. Really, it's anti-diet culture perspective. Um, And that is, and interestingly enough, we mentioned it, you know, even being at Wellfest in Ireland four years ago, Mm. (laughs) um, really kind of realizing that a lot of the rhetoric around food, exercise and our bodies within fitness and this um, very narrow view that fit people were people who lost weight um, Mm. was harmful, not only to me and my personal experience, but also to clients, to people in my classes, to my wider community online. And I really resonated with this um, messaging about intuitive eating and the framework of intuitive eating, which is created by two dietitians, has over 100 studies to, um, you know, to to make sure the framework is robust and works. Mm-hmm. And um, and then kind of looking at the evidence that challenges that our beliefs around weight and health. And it's been a real journey. And um it's you know taken time to unlearn a lot of the stuff I know but now I am a personal trainer still working but really encouraging people to reflect upon their relationships with fitness and that's something I'm really passionate about and not always so concerned about what you do but I'm mostly concerned about why you do it Mm. and how what you're doing is making you feel um I'm really trying to kind of uh encourage people to reflect upon that so I released my first book train happy in January and since then have created the train happy podcast and that is very much encouraging people to stop um stop working out and stop feeding themselves from a place of guilt and shame Mm. um and and dislike like I really want people to do things out of self-care, self-love, and um, really learn to trust themselves and reconnect with their bodies in the process. Um, so that's essentially what I do. I hope I've we we can get into it. I'm sure we can get into yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. No, this there, I was jotting notes down as you spoke because there's so many elements of your journey that. I resonate with um I know we you and I have met a couple of times uh in person in either Dublin or London but we've mm. um and we've kind of dm'd the odd time as well so I know we've kind of gone through a, a similar journey and I think I've felt from watching your journey like yours has been just that little bit of time ahead of mine which is really interesting when I go back now and kind of look at how I would have viewed let's say content of yours when I was in a slightly different place to where I am now it's really interesting um to, to see the the slight different timeline in that I think I was a bit slower to kind of in the Irish phrase cop on <laughs> um, and sort of give myself a break on that side of things Um, there's so many things I want to ask you there I suppose to go back a tiny bit was there one thing or one main thing that led you towards the fitness industry from drama school because I know you've spoken quite a lot about your, your love of performance and music and singing and things like that was there one thing that brought you to the fitness industry or was it a personal thing or So I think, to be honest, I got to a point where I felt like I was better at fitness than I was at performing at musical Mm. theatre. So I was training to be in musical theatre and it's an extremely competitive industry. And I had a really, um, I kind of had a rough ending to my time at drama school. And I think that kind of, for me, really cemented the idea of 
pursuing fitness, which is the other thing I really loved. In my mm. in my uh, naivety, I thought I mm. would be auditioning and you know looking to perform as well as personal training. And actually, there are many performers who work within the fitness industry, particularly here in London. Um, mm. Lots of my colleagues at the studio where I teach are performers and are still working. They're dancers and and performers. Oh, wow. Because it's certainly, I actually have to say, the skills are very transferable and it works really well. Mm. Um, But I, yeah, I thought they were two things I would be doing simultaneously. However, I realized that actually when I left and I started doing my personal training course, at at that time in my life, I... I was so far more interested in the fitness stuff than I was anything Mm. else. Um, And to be honest, I don't have any regrets. I'm really happy I ended up going down the fitness route. However, I do really miss singing and I miss that side of stuff. But I actually do think I am better at this fitness stuff than I would Mm. have been as a performer. It's really interesting. To me, I feel like it's funny having shared I feel like in a sense kind of similar content to yourself way back when so when I've done see no one you can do time hop on Instagram so I've gone back and like three four years ago all I shared was my lunch boxes and like I looked back recently and I've started to kind of have a little creep on it just to see how consistently that was happening and it's crazy how much of my content when I started out was just food and and really it's kind of speaks to that obsession that you talk about what starts out as a passion or an interest and really for me anyway um and so I resonate with with your own journey developed into kind of that sort of I feel like for me I kind of came into social media when or something around like Instagram when hit and the kind of bodybuilding scene were becoming I suppose more mainstream on social media Mm. and that was something that I started to kind of internalize and there was obviously narratives of diet culture kind of threaded into that a bit as well um and that was I think that a lot of that fueled the obsessive bit for me too um so how a passion can so quickly turn into an obsession I think is something that uh I've certainly experienced firsthand and and resonates with me from what you're talking about was there was there do you feel like it was a series of moments for you that led it as you know the realization you talked about where you said it wasn't sustainable anymore how did you come to that conclusion or that realization about your own journey if that question makes sense yeah it does well firstly I can absolutely relate because I started on Instagram just posting pictures of my food and Mm. I realized that that it was a very slippery slope for me and I realized that particularly early on in that first year of me sharing online taking pictures of perfect food and having to post every day and pretty much taking pictures of everything I ate mm-hmm. um, and making it look Instagrammable was very much part of my disordered eating. And I realized mm-hmm. that actually it's um, a, a really key component of that for me. And one of the things I did to challenge myself from that essentially compulsion was to not take pictures of my food and just eat messy food Um, And it sounds, Mm. I always think it sounds silly, but I think maybe you have, can slightly resonate with this, that, yeah, it becomes like this thing that everything has to look perfect. And in the pursuit of constant perfection, and we're looking for a perfect body, and we're looking to eat perfectly, Mm -hmm. it manifests itself by having a perfectly curated Instagram feed with your blueberries in the perfect place. And, you know, 
I, I the sprinkled nuts, <laughs> the sprinkled nuts, and the the drizzles of whatever it is, and everything yeah. was. And I used to think I was a foodie, and mm-hmm. I realized like, and I, you know, I've been challenged more myself now to think like, mm. was I a foodie or was I just obsessed with food and, and healthy, healthy food? food yeah, yeah. And so that's how I um see that now for Mm. for me personally um and yeah it's interesting and I I'm doing an interview on my podcast next week and I was doing research and the the person I'm interviewing had done exactly the same they started off with just pictures of these perfectly presented pictures of food and I I that was what it was at that time that Mm -hmm. was what everyone was doing on Instagram and you're right that that time probably like 2014 2015 2016 really um that's what Instagram was you know pictures of people's food and their meal prep and Tupperware boxes lined up and all sorts of stuff like that's that was very much in at that time and And it was all about getting sweaty as well I found yeah like the workouts had to be sweaty (laughs) yeah they had to be really intense they had to be quote killer you know Mm, yeah yeah and (laughs) I uh, yeah and I absolutely do relate to that and I think similarly to you very much in my early 20s got caught up in that narrative looked to other people in the industry who were successful who had big numbers after their names and who I thought were qualified and I trusted them to tell Mm. me what to do and they told me to eat all my meals out of Tupperware Mm. and they told me to work out in body in a bodybuilding split you know six Mm -hmm. days a week they told me I should be doing hit cardio they told me all these things so I just naively did what I thought I should do as I became more confident and educated as a personal trainer and I should say this was as I was a personal trainer but Mm. about a year into becoming a personal trainer I really just things just started to not sit right with me and you know I realized that very slowly realized that you know actually I had become more obsessed with my appearance than I had ever been at any point in my life before Mm. because the more I focused and you know I wouldn't I wouldn't really tell myself it was about appearance, but it was. Mm. And the more I told, you know, the more I focused on this and the more I can, I just started comparing myself to people all the time, whether that be in person, online. And it always felt like I came up short and it was putting a strain on my personal life, on my Mm. relationships. Um, I wasn't really present because I was either a bit hungry. So just not really working. I was tired because I, mm. when you first work as a personal trainer, it's extremely long hours. And I was meal prepping before bed and I was just focused on the gym and meal prep. And I did my last formal diet, um, I think in 2016, maybe it was mm. 2015. And that was for a shoot with the girl gains that we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And that was, Girl Gains was something I did with um, Zana Van Dyke and Victoria Spence. And we yeah. wanted to create a community of women who, you know, were like-minded and were into like fitness food and stuff. And we were very much talking about self-love and things at that point. But yeah, when we first started, it was very much about bringing women together to work out together. Mm. And I remember doing, we were doing our first ever photo shoot for the branding of the website. And I did this 12 week plan and I had a trainer and a coach and everything. And I got to the photo shoot and I just, I just, I cried. I just went, oh. Oh, photos are taken and everything. And like, just on my own, I just felt so disappointed with myself. Mm. I really felt like I did not, um, like, 
I my body just did not look how I wanted it to look and I Mm. really felt like I put so much time and energy and effort into this and for what I didn't feel like Mm. I looked any that much different and I realize now that's testament to a how my body was really starting to biologically fight back against dieting and really did Mm. not want to diet and go on Mm. and really really wanted me to just feed myself what it needed Mm. Um, and you know also how ineffective dieting can be um when we especially when we do it repeatedly Mm. and I think that was a real turning point for me of like that was a real low in terms of Mm. like I can't do this anymore um and I remember it it wasn't until actually and so I remember kind of thinking right I don't want to encourage people to do that I want to encourage you know like I said like I think at the time as well this is the with the emergence of body positivity and this discussion around self-love and being you know good enough just as you are as women and through Mm. girl games we were really passionate about that stuff um I think very naively we spoke about a lot of things and with all the best intentions um yet we still each individually had all our own work to do and our own growth Mm. and our own you know our own growing up to do but it was through that um and I think you know realizing what eating disorders were and realizing how prevalent they were Mm. and once you kind of understand what an eating disorder is and you realize for example I I um I really relate to the criteria for orthorexia is what I would describe my experience with food and exercise and once Mm. you kind of like see all this stuff you're like huh wait mm-hmm. a second the industry that I work in is very um is a breeding ground for mm. this and very much attracts people who have these insecurities and uh exacerbates them I think and is pulling in people who are vulnerable and giving them information that um is actually more harmful than it is um beneficial so mm. Yeah, it was a slow process. Um, And then I think probably about three years ago now, um, I got an email from a dietitian friend who Mm. sent me a reading list. I'd started to have, like, I made a video on YouTube, I think it's probably about three years ago, saying, like, I'm fed up with the fitness industry. Why is everything about weight loss? I love that video such a boring narrative I and just kind of speaking out against it mm. but not really having not really so kind of like got to that point on my own and yeah. then I got an email from a friend who's a dietitian and she sent me a reading list of books around intuitive eating um health every size and a lot of the re and you know blog posts from um body positive creators and that's so nice to be sent that it was that's really, lovely it was really lovely and a real yeah. nudge in the right direction and I owe mm. a lot to, to that person and um you know from there it was a real education because I think I've got mentally to the point where you know I can't do this anymore yeah but I needed to be educated so then mm. I then the education came and you know I just immediately when I was reading about intuitive eating um and health at every size immediately reading these books and are like oh my goodness this absolutely resonates I completely Mm. 
particularly with intuitive eating on my own journey, that was the missing piece of the puzzle. Because even though I had started to to step back from uh, diet culture in a really obvious, obvious sense, I still had subtle thoughts and behaviors and you know there was still a bit of um deprogramming to do Mm. so that's that was huge um and so you know podcasts have were a huge source of education to me as well laura thomas's podcast just eat it and christy harrison's podcast and her diet both were really educational um and i you know I i really thank social media for kind of helping you know social media gets Mm. a bad rap but I think there's some amazing resources out there to point you in the right direction for that further education um Mm. end with Instagram but it's a good starting place to find um other perspectives and to yeah like I said like look for book recommendations blog recommendations Mm. articles um research and all those sorts of things I love that. Again, so many elements of that that I relate to and want to circle back to, but I'll never get through all of my questions that I had for you if I don't. Um, I so agree. I think the dichotomy of social media is fascinating. Like I said, so many things that fueled my own kind of poor relationship with food and exercise came through social media, like the hit craze, um, high intensity interval training or Tabata kind of style workouts and the bodybuilding macro counting side of things all of that for me came through Instagram and so much of it was visual the whole idea of a perfect plate but even when I look back on my post four years ago like <laughs> pretty manky looking to be honest I don't know what I thought I was taking a picture of I was like come on I really really liked raw broccoli but anyway <laughs> um yeah no I I would really relate to so much of what you said I think what's interesting is the kind of gradual nature of it you got to a sort of a period where you were having these progressive realizations and then suddenly there was kind of a I can't do this anymore and you reach that point yourself with solutions um through obviously a really compassionate gesture were presented to you and I think I'd resonate a lot with that I think kind of the game changer realizations for me and a lot of it came through social media was and it sounds so silly like I'm a medical doctor like but you know we're all human um it was the idea of a relationship with food as opposed to food just being this black and white good versus bad thing and similarly I had a lot of unprogramming or deprogramming to do about foods that were like quote-unquote bad um, or food groups that were quote-unquote bad. For me a lot of it was about um, the idea of like a fitness obsession as well and kind of almost I call it an addiction to to intense exercise like Mm. including including on holidays like first had to be first thing in the morning if it didn't happen like it was I called it stress management and I personally think studying medicine and the stress of medicine didn't really help me have any insight to break it because I was just uh, stressed a lot of the time so actually sitting back to reflect on it just wasn't something that I felt I had time to do or had the insight to do and I suppose you mature as well like I think your late 20s is a time when you look back and go oh I see <laughs> um well but, they say- yeah they say that your early 20s, late teens are prime time for people to um, discover. Obviously, they're discovering this stuff and mm. particularly like body image is bad around that time, particularly for women. And that that is a um, that time is we are very vulnerable as humans. Our brains are, are vulnerable to um, eating disorders or disordered behavior. 
Mm. Um, especially as we know that when we turn to things like eating disorders, they are a coping tool and a coping mechanism for us that we've learned. And exactly. so we we learn coping tools, but we're learning disorder. Mm-hmm. We're learning um, harmful ways to cope. And we're also told that exercise is therapy. Mm-hmm. So and the only solution to your mental health. And therefore, we hammer it hard because say you're at a stressful time, whether you're studying at medical school and you're in the thick of exams and you just want some stress relief. Well, we've learned that we have to, you know, we can get that relief through exercise, but it's exercise is actually only one tool in the box. And Mm. we need to have a multitude of ways we can support our mental health. And if you are only relying on exercise to support your mental health, then it it will not be enough. And this is Mm. where we you know we can drift into compulsion mm-hmm. and over reliance um and 100%. Also, it's also really interesting that one of the hallmarks of a disordered relationship with food and exercise is this idea of perfection mm. and um you know looking and control so where so for me there was uncontrollable stuff going on for me at drama school it was a competitive mm. environment I didn't feel like it was a very subjective world where it was all based you know people's opinions on your talent really all mm. the time and what was the one thing I could control well I could control what I well, I thought I could control mm. yeah. um, what I look like and therefore I could control what I ate and I could control how I moved and so for me I needed to control something um at that time um because it was a very stressful environment and it it triggered that need to control within me um Mm. but I also realized now that that was also a delay of grief from losing my dad as a teenager so I realized and I think actually this is a lot more common in people which is why I like to talk about it because I think people are like oh yeah um you know yes I've been through periods of obsessively tracking my food or obsessively Mm. exercising and I think sometimes we think that it's just the food and it's just the exercise but I think Mm. that is a symptom of a deeper issue within that it hasn't Mm. been addressed and it wants to be addressed but we don't have the toolkit and we don't have the knowledge to know how to deal with it and yeah there's emotions there and feelings there that always want to be felt and they just need an outlet and so the only way we know how to do that is to because diet culture taught us the only way we know how to do that is to control our bodies because if we can control that we can do something so I think um and and like I said like when you are young in your 20s you're less um likely to think critically about that and you're less you're much more susceptible to plain information found on social media with (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. we're not looking to you know look at all the different perspectives we just want to look hot because that's (laughs) what we were told we should be trying to do in your early 20s um Mm -hmm. you know so yeah it's absolutely it can be the food it certainly is the food and it certainly is the exercise that's the top layer and then underneath the thing that's propping that thing up is your um unmet needs and emotions and um and things that need to be processed um and this is why I love therapy <laughs> I was um, just going to I ask you about that <laughs> absolutely oh, yeah well first of all like I appreciate I really appreciate you 
mentioning your own loss and I'm really sorry for your own loss. I know you've been really brave talking on your own social media platforms about your kind of experience with therapy and trying to normalize it, um, which I think is fantastic because we all hear the phrase, it's okay not to be okay. But I think that can sometimes just be lip service. Actually seeking help if you're not okay is is almost the bigger barrier. Um, And I think it's great to hear someone with with a platform talking about it so openly. Um, You've been so brave in sharing your own experience with it. Exactly that. People need to know that it's okay to not be okay. And it's also okay to talk to someone else about not Mm -hmm. being okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I spent a lot of time, a lot of time in my 20s thinking I was absolutely fine. Mm. It's I'm saying all these things and saying I had this disorder relation with food. I had all these, this, you know, it was undealt with grief. I only realized this in hindsight. At the mm. time, I was so unaware of my actions, um, particularly early on in my relationship with food and, and exercise. Um And like I said, I did have that low point. But in general, I just thought I was being healthy because, like I said, disorder is Mm. normal it is the baseline that most of the fitness industry operates in so we're like oh okay well it's totally normal to like um you know restrict carbs if I'm going out on a Friday night and it's totally normal to um if I have a big you know if I have a big dinner with friends that I've got to go to the gym afterwards and burn it off like that's totally normal because those things are normalized Mm -hmm. so um yeah it's only since having um been open to to going to therapy and you know going to therapy thinking like okay there's this thing that I want to talk about which was losing my dad and and Mm. realizing that actually like so many things are interlinked and interrelated and it has been one of the best things I've ever done one of the best investments in my overall health and well-being because it cannot be um it cannot be overemphasized that Mm. your mental health is such the underpinning of our our total health and well-being and mm. it needs to be addressed and I think um yeah wanting to normalize it wanted to talk about it um because like you said like social media is a powerful tool and had I seen that five years ago things might be a different story so I just um yeah I think getting to this point now wanting to encourage people to to maybe speak to someone if it's too much mm. and one of the most humbling things is that when I do talk about it and I often receive messages from people saying I'm I'm gonna reach out to a therapist for the first time or Mm. this is this has encouraged me like I've been really struggling and I think I need someone to talk to um and I think everyone needs someone to talk to I think no matter you can think you're 100% okay Mm -hmm. and yet we all need to be have space you know on yeah. every you know every so often just to to talk to get out of our heads <laughs> it's a wonderful yeah. thing <laughs> particularly when I find uh, like I took a two week um two and a half week break from social media which isn't that long a time but for someone who'd be you know on it most days um it was mm-hmm. quite a long time it was because I had exams in September so I just completely deleted everything and honestly the the mental I'm not going to say the mental clarity, like I didn't have any epiphanies, but <laughs> the um, the lack of busyness of my thoughts yeah. and not, you know, the way I really try to be good about it in the morning and not go, you know, first thing or do it outside of works. But like being able to hear your own thoughts and mm. think, think your perspective or even develop your perspective. Like I remember a friend of mine said he was so excited to completely switch off for holiday pre-COVID. He's like, do you know what I'm most excited for? I just can't wait to sit 
in the sun and just think, just literally think about things that I feel too stressed to hear my thoughts on or I hear other people's opinions because I'm on social media reading their posts or reading their tweets. And I think it's it's so important to give, like you say, give ourselves that space, whether it's through talking to someone or taking the time to sit and be bored, but allow your mind to wander, allow yourself to think about all those things that we are listening to other people's thoughts on on social media. I 100% agree. Mm. And one of the biggest learning curves for, of therapy has been that I need to learn to just be more. Mm. Because it's so easy to fill every moment with a scroll, with a show, with a yeah. thing, with a podcast, with a whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm really guilty of doing that a lot. <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah, just being able to be and be with your thoughts. And also, as you said, learning to make your own opinions on things mm. and not just regurgitating opinions you've seen online, which yeah. I think is a bit a greater societal thing that's happening Mm. um that we often don't think well what do I think about this situation we often think what does the person I like to follow online think about the situation I want to think what they think and I think we all just yeah we lose that ability to just think for ourselves and be and I think that is really important really important absolutely well I could continue on this train of thought for a long time (laughs) but I'm going to stop and I'm going to move on to talk to you about train happy I'm sure we'll come back to similar threads of conversation anyway but I'd love to talk to you about train happy because that for me I think is one of my favorite aspects of the content that you create Uh, talk to us about train happy so train happy is obviously the title of your book but it's also the title of your podcast as well and I'd love to start with the book and just ask you um to tell our listeners about the book and sort of where the idea for the book came from well train happy is really a an ethos in how Mm. I approach fitness and it's very much about helping people to move to feel good to enjoy what they're doing to view movement and working out as self-care and to find the way that works for them that's Mm. that's what the whole thing is about and my book came about I actually got approached and asked if I would like to write a book and I always said no, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> the fitness books that I, you know, written by my peers and friends, mm. I was like, well, I don't have anything to add to that. They've covered the basics. There's some workouts, mm. there's some recipes, there's the blah, blah, blah. Mm. And actually, when I got approached in 2019, at the beginning of 2019, I realized I was, you know, in the midst of this learning and and real shift in my perspective and there was actually a lot I had a lot of opinions on the fitness industry and I had a lot yeah. I'm like well actually <laughs> I, I have a book to write and fortunately for me my editor was completely on the same page as I was and she mm. had an experience where she had gone to a personal trainer and he he had insisted you know she wanted to learn to lift weights he'd insisted that she um go on a diet essentially that's not Mm -hmm. what she signed up for the assumption was that all women go to work out they don't want to just lift weights they want to lose weight and we need we can only track progress through making people smaller yeah um and so I really wanted to write a book that challenged that that challenged that perception so the book's broken up into three sections um it is in the order of um happy train eat no happy eat train because usually my my little slogan on my business card from day one has always been eat train happy mm. 
So I, but we mixed up the order because it made more sense than the book. So yeah. um, it want I wanted to cover in the happy section. I wanted to cover mental well-being, the importance of movement for our mental health mm. and our um, brain health. Mm. But also I wanted to talk about body image um, and our you know relationship with our bodies as well within that section because I think that's a huge part piece of this puzzle of particularly when you're wanting to distance yourself from diet culture and you know start to shift the way you view food and exercise a big piece of the puzzle is is the fear of our bodies changing and yeah. so I really wanted to address that mm. in the book um in the eat section I asked um, a dietitian and trainer from America, Jesse Haggerty, to write a section all about um, intuitive eating and just and just have an introduction to that as a concept. Um, mm. I'm a big fan and advocate of intuitive eating. It might not necessarily 100% be for everyone, but I think it can be a really great thing to just understand the concept of mm. um, and be introduced to. And um, then it goes into the train section, which is where I um, challenge ideas like before and after photos and talk about um, diet culture in fitness, go through particularly wanted to talk about an intuitive approach to fitness and what I call intuitive movement and Mm. go through principles of intuitive movement that have been taken from the intuitive eating eating framework so there's 10 principles within the intuitive eating framework and mm-hmm. taking those 10 and actually shaving it down to nine and mm-hmm. working through those principles around and applying how we relate to our relationship with food but you know making it very specific for how we relate to moving our bodies because just as we have relationships with food um we also have relationships with movement and mm that needs a lot of untangling and for many people reframing as well so that's what those principles are meant to do so that hopefully and within that we also talk about the benefits of movement and how actually there are so many benefits to moving your body regularly that have nothing to do with your weight or Absolutely. what you look like and um, mm-hmm. it is wonderful to move your body and that you know we can enjoy that without having to have a weight loss aesthetic outcome that is is not a requirement to enjoying these health benefits and so I hope people read the book and they are like oh there's this whole other approach to fitness and wow I didn't know moving your like there were so many benefits there are so many different ways you can move your body um you know this is actually a really positive thing. This doesn't have to be something that is a chore and something I dread. It can be something I can look forward to. And mm. so we finish the book with a workout guide to, to for people who don't really know where to get started and want to, um, you know, start moving their bodies. There's a workout guide for them there. So um, I'm really proud of it. And um, I think it's a really great introduction to intuitive movement, to my I kind of think of it as a bit of like my manifesto yeah (laughs) and um yes I'm really passionate now about just continuing the education and expanding on you know I only had a certain word count I needed to expand on Mm. the ideas and themes and 
things that I have learned since writing the book on the podcast, on the Train Happy podcast. So on there, I interview people who have contributed to the book. I also interview just people who I really admire and respect their work. And they range from dietitians to therapists mm. to other fitness trainers to um, plus size bloggers to um, mums to all sorts. So I'm really trying to get a full range on there um, to expand on these these ideas um, and kind of help people uh, unlearn stuff, but also mm. navigate their own own journeys. I absolutely love the podcast. Can I just say, I think that the guests you have on, it's they're so diverse and so interesting and they all have such a fresh perspective, whether it's from their own professional background or their own personal experience. I think this was every episode I listened to, I share it and you're probably sick of me tagging you on it. Uh, keep tagging. Keep tagging. It. It's always oh, great. It's like every week I look for your episodes. I look for how to fail and then always have a little check in with Brene Brown as well, of course. Yeah. But um, I think my favorite episode, I don't know if you have a favorite episode, you probably can't because you obviously love all your guests. But my favorite episode from your podcast has definitely been with Kimberly Wilson yeah um, that was just fantastic like it was exercise and mental health and, and brain health but it was also so much about I suppose the the psychological aspect of, of exercise and our relationship with exercise and there was so many golden nuggets in that episode Um, yeah it, it, I would imagine it's just so much fun to record and so interesting to record as well Kimberly Wilson is one of the smartest people I know and every time I'm with her I just want to be in her vicinity because I think yeah. I might if I could absorb a fraction of her knowledge then mm -hmm. I know I'm gonna do be doing great um she always has something fascinating to say and I really enjoyed that episode too actually I think that was the second episode that came yeah, out early. So very early on um and I want to have her back I'm just biding my time to ask so yeah. <laughs> I would 100% be having her back on if she'll um if she'll come back on if she'll come yeah she's, she's <laughs> um, just fascinating I think what she was it her that spoke about the idea of kind of exercise not like not framing it as or thinking of it in a way of self-punishment but thinking of it as self-love or look like you know something that you get to do was that so her, her phrase which I loved is think of exercise as something you give to yourself not something mm. you do to yourself yeah and that, that was it that you do to yourself yes and yeah. it really stuck with me as well Thanks. because I I love that quote too and I quote mm. it all the time it's become one of my favorite quotes mm -hmm. um yeah I think she she's brilliant. brilliant about that. And and we also get into talking about exercise and Alzheimer's and brain mm. health going into um, old age. And it's just really um, she's full of full of information. Um, and I, I'd have to say one of my other favorite episodes, even though um, the audio wasn't very good <laughs> and I wish it was better, was my conversation with Evelyn Triboli, who mm, is one of brilliant. the... Um, co-creators of intuitive eating and I have listened to so many episodes podcasts with her and I mm. think she's got such a beautiful personality and she's so joyful she's talking about often really tricky things yeah. or things that you should feel really angry about and she just kind of brings this joy to her uh her demeanor and her mm. her conversation style that you're discussing like a, quite a heavy topic and she makes it feel light and digestible. And I think that's a real gift. 
So Mm. to speak to her on the podcast was a real dream come true for me. I'm hugely influenced and inspired by her work. And so that was fantastic. And she was so just as good as I wanted her to be. I mean, to be honest, there's some things that stand out, but truthfully, I've I feel I'm quite selfish in the sense that I always ask people who I'm really fascinated by yeah. and, who I think, <laughs> and who I would think I'm like, I want to ask them about X, Y, Z. So mm. selfishly, it's for my sometimes for my own benefit. Um, and yeah, so recently I had someone on um, called Lauren Cadillac, who's a dietitian in the US, and she mm. had been a bodybuilding bikini competitor. And yeah. as we mentioned early on in the episode, having been in the fitness realm at the same time mm. and her, her being a competitor at the time but when I was a super super keen bean um <laughs> I really I and we're a similar age and I just really related to what she was saying so I really love that conversation because I just felt like we completely got each other's experience so mm. that's from a very selfish perspective but yeah there's been some I'm, I'm really proud of every interview and I think um there's been some brilliant guests and the reason I have people on my podcast is because I truly think their work is brilliant and I want more mm. people to know about it. It's such a great podcast. I'd really encourage people to go have a listen. I'm almost jealous that you have so many episodes to make your way through if you haven't listened to any yet. It's it's so good. Um, I'd love to, to move into the topic of intuitive fitness and intuitive intuitive movement, sorry, I should say. Um, just going on from, from what we chatted about there about Train Happy. Um, this is obviously something that you've been... Um, you kind of almost developed through your book, through the podcast. And I'd love if you could kind of define it for us. And I know you mentioned kind of nine principles. You don't necessarily have to go through all those, but just um, what is it just for anyone who is um, curious? I think a lot of people, particularly those on social media, depending on who they follow, have probably heard of intuitive eating. I know you've done, um, you've discussed this on your podcast as well, but I'd love to chat about intuitive uh, movement, first of all, and just, um, if you could define that first or explain it. Yeah, so intuitive movement is an extension of intuitive eating, but thinking about it specifically for exercise and the way we move our bodies. And the principles help us to build reconnection with our bodies so that we make the best decision for ourselves when it comes to how we choose to move our bodies, um, in what way, and most importantly, why we're moving our bodies. Mm. And so it's really about helping people to get to a peaceful, happy place with movement because so many people only associate exercise with periods of restriction in their life. So mm. often people, you know, when they exercise, a, di- a diet normally goes hand in hand. So if they don't want to restrict food, then they don't exercise because they feel like those two have to be be in tandem. Mm-hmm. Um or there are people who have had really traumatic experience with exercise in terms of feeling shamed in gym environments, in classes, you know, whether even be a PE experience at school. Mm-hmm. Um, or people who have got to a point, um, you know, where they feel like there's been a point of um, over-exercising and over-reliance on exercise. And But I also think it's for the person who kind of feels like exercise is something they should do but they don't really want to do it and this is a way to help like I say build that reconnection with yourself but also help build a deeper intrinsic motivation so that you feel excited and um, inspired to move 
because it is something you want to you want to do and it's something you want to look forward to so it's really about reframing thinking of like I said this chore that you have to Mm. endure to Mm. thinking of like okay well when I was a kid I used to just run around the playground and have fun and kick a ball about and you know play it and all these things Mm. and essentially when we get to move our bodies it should be a sort of adult playtime yeah and why are we getting so serious about it (laughs) why we why does it have to be so perfect and so this and that and like i look there's a place time and a place for programming and I know some people thrive off of you know Mm. structure um so that absolutely is within the intuitive movement approach but it's really helping people like I say get things back on their own terms because what diet culture does is it makes us not trust ourselves so we're constantly looking to outsource um the what the why the how because we don't think that we can make decisions for our health and well-being we think we have to hire a personal trainer to tell us what to do mm-hmm. tell us how to eat give us a meal plan we don't trust ourselves to make these decisions however intuitive movement is really about empowering the individual to um tune in with their body so they know when they're energetic and when they need to move, when they need to slow down, when they need to rest, when they can feel emotion within the body. And so that mm-hmm. will inform the way they choose to move their body. We're also um, doing something. So you mentioned kind of making peace with food and intuitive eating, the concept of good and bad foods mm. and neutralizing that to say that actually all foods fit and have their place. Well, saying that within fitness as well. So this concept that um, hit training and weightlifting are superior to Mm. say going for a jog well actually no they're not um there are different benefits we know as a personal trainer there certainly are different reasons why you would do certain things in the context of training for a sports specific event but the average person um i think gets you know i used to think that yoga and pilates wasn't worth it because it didn't make me sweat and burn enough calories Same. so why would I do it but actually yep. hugely important and going back to Kimberly Wilson who we had on the podcast on that that early episode um one of the best ways she believes that can help relieve um digestion issues because your gut is your second brain mm. is um slowing down through yoga and connecting with your body and that's a huge way to relieve stress so that's a hugely beneficial practice that so many of the fitness industry disregard because it doesn't Mm. burn enough calories or get your heart rate up super high um similarly i've had personal trainers slag off spin classes you know why would you want to do this why do you want to do that this is stupid that's stupid because funnily enough guess what that personal trainer is selling you the solution yes yeah, <laughs> they've got a you know they've got the plan they, they, they you should be listening to them and paying them money for them to tell you what to do because mm. all these other people are stupid whereas yeah. what we're trying to do is neutralize all those things and say what do you enjoy because if you enjoy it you will do it consistently mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'll yeah. make time for these things instead of putting yourself through workouts that you don't enjoy that you just make yourself do and resent the whole time because you don't actually want to be there so how can we make it fun and so that's for some people saying like you don't have to go to the gym to Mm. to move your body and for others that's saying um you know you don't have to constantly be 
running 20 miles Mm -hmm. you can you know you can listen to your body um and do what works for you and so it really it really is about empowering the person so the last principle is called um, gentle guidance. And so for people who are going through the principles which start with reject the diet mentality, so we Mm. decide to not train for weight loss or aesthetics, we say, we're going to hit pause on that, we're just going to try a new approach and see how we get on. Mm. And then the cherry on the top of the cake is as we go through that process of making peace with, um, with movement, challenging the fitness police, as I call it, um, accepting our bodies, and um managing our emotions through movement there's there's um nine principles in total i'm naming Mm. a few we get to um gentle guidance and with that you um it's all about kind of bringing the cherry back on top of the cake again and realizing that okay i'm now in a good place with fitness and i would like to train for something and i do have goals and that is okay but i also know that I do not train at um, for those goals and those things only. And I'm allowed to have flexibility within training for these things. And there is room for um, there's room for maneuver, really. And that the rigidity that diet culture requires, the this idea of no days off, Mm-hmm. This idea of like must do this no matter what just powering through you know you feel poorly you wake up you feel under the weather but you just go and do it anyway because you've just got to get it done that's yeah. an intuitive movement intuitive movement is like if you bought if you set your alarm early to do a workout but you had a really rubbish night's sleep you sleep in because you know that sleep is more beneficial for you yeah. and you um maybe choose to just go for a walk that day instead um it is about you know having goals but but allowing there to be flexibility within that so that you're not a slave to your goals but you um make them work for you and that that's what it's really about I think it's just I'm just such a fan of it as a concept in general like personally my own experience was that injury is what kind of really forced me to slow down and get to intuitive because it was like oh okay so the things I can't do are the things that I thought were such a central part of my fitness identity like going to the gym running spinning and then suddenly I had an injury and couldn't do any of those things and had to that was actually what led me to yoga and to kind of reconnecting with Mm. how amazing walking is like just but at the same time I remember at the time struggling thinking this like you said about it's not sweaty it's not enough this is just a temporary thing and then finally I think that journey made me more mindful I got into mindfulness and then you know, all these things add up over time. Um, but you're, you're so right. It is about that, about tuning back in and asking, what do I want to do? How do I feel? And how can I act on how I feel? Um, I remember Googling, how many rest days does a person need or does a, a person actually need to take rest days? Yeah. <laughs> like uh, like outsourcing whether I needed to slow down and recover or not to Google um, is probably one of my low points, I think. And also... And I think it just goes to show how vulnerable we are to diet culture Mm -hmm. in general and how much it's become a trusted source. Yeah. (laughs) Because even as a doctor, when most people say like, you know, are you a doctor? Ask your doctor. Even you're asking questions. Totally. Because, you know, we have been so taught not to trust ourselves. Yeah. And we also make the worst patients as doctors anyway. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Uh, I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah, we do. (laughs) 
one of the quotes that I love that you shared around intuitive movement was me and my body are on the same team. And I think that really speaks to the importance of that connection and being able to say if you're mid-workout and you're just not feeling it or you just your body's just a bit sore maybe from a workout the day before or you're on your period or you're just not feeling that to be able to have the flexibility to go yeah you know what not today no I'm fine or wake up and maybe you didn't plan to but you feel good and you want to do it it's all about it really is all about that flexibility and I know for anyone listening personally flexibility was what was such a huge issue for me for a long time definitely and that flexibility is a real joy to to have and to kind of hold on to um and it really does lead for like you say much more joyful movement consistent like mm. more consistently in the long term and as well I suppose with social media it can often make people feel like there's an overwhelming number of ways to move your body and finding out which one you enjoy can seem like you should just be copying your best friend or the person you follow but if you do have the ways you enjoy it really does lead to more sustainable and consistent movement and it that will be overall in the long term for your physical and mental health better um there was another quote you shared before and it was um when you're feeling down about your body ask who profits off this feeling um which i thought was kind of related to what we've just been speaking about um, and, and tied in with the diet culture element of it and i'd love to kind of move on for, from talking about intuitive fitness there to just a little bit about body neutrality this is something that you've done on the podcast as well was it beauty redefined that you had on yes yeah they and were the, fantastic too they were so so funny as well but really really interesting and the phrase my body is an instrument not an ornament I paraphrase a little bit there but that's a mantra of mine now I thought that was oh, unreal yeah like, it, it's yeah. something I really internalized and mm-hmm. you know when you even mentioned just those quotes and I, I shared like these mantras <laughs> that I yeah. And it, sometimes I'll be mid-workout and, I, and I've gone to the gym because I'm like, you know, when we could go to the gym. OK, mm. I'm going to go and I want to go do this. And then and then I see myself. I just catch myself, you know, going into this old thought patterns of like, oh, what they're doing. And like, oh, like, yeah. oh, you know, starting to feel a bit like. Mm. And then I'm like, hang on a second. You're you know, I remember all these quotes. I think Kimberly Wilson, you know. You're yeah. giving yourself something. This is time. Like this is self care. Like how lucky are you that you get to do this? Mm. And I think about, you know, my body is an instrument to be used, not an ornament to be looked at. Let's go. Yeah. This instrument wants to be used. Come on, you can do it. Mm. And these things um, serve as fantastic motivation for me. And in the moment, and sometimes I just find myself like I just want to be. I look around in the gym and I look at everyone and I'm like, you all look miserable. And I yes. don't know whether that's just me. And I'm just like, everyone's there. Like, I just think everyone there's a bit miserable. And I just want to be dancing around and smiling, being like, wow, how great is this that I get to have this hour out of my day just for me to do whatever I want to mm. do, feel good. I'm going to get the endorphins. I'm going to feel fitter and stronger. And like, it sounds cheesy, but honestly, it really does help reframe the whole experience and make it 10 times more enjoyable. Um, mm. And, I, and you know, I think, but it is does feel like it's going against mainstream fitness. Um, so, yes, I'm so for those mantras and mm. beauty redefines work around body neutrality um, and about objectification, I think is yeah. so important and interesting. Um I'm a huge fan of what they do. They have a book coming out. Um, I think. Oh, amazing. 
very soon very soon um and they are just wonderful and that episode about with them about body image um and their research with objectification and and movement as well Mm. is a really popular one because they're talking about because for some people loving yourself feels so far away but Mm. could we just feel that rather than having to like look at ourselves and say like you are beautiful you can say like I'm more than that I am me I'm a person I have so much more to give than my appearance Mm. and actually I think getting to the point of I have so much more to give than my appearance also really helps with that whole pressure of using exercise as a tool of aesthetic change yeah and really helps to reframe that because it's all about what you can do and not what you look like and um I think that is a really huge shift and an important shift that people need to make absolutely I think one of the my own mantras was maybe not a mantra but just how I think about my body is to think of it as my home like the home that I know I have for life and for me like for what I want to achieve for what I bring to the world and and all of that is independent of what size jeans I buy or you know what's on the scales and like I intentionally gained weight uh, which I've spoken about a little bit on on my Instagram not a huge amount just because my platform is I sometimes I personally find the 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 mashup between sharing a personal journey and sharing professional Mm. aspects of content I find that that's my own challenge to work on but I did speak about it last year and it was a post that I wrote uh, one day after going for an unbelievable brunch if you ever come to Galway let me know and I'll tell you exactly (laughs) where to go but it was just a really lovely realization of um, how far I've come and I wrote a post that I thought I would have liked to have read before beginning gaining Mm. weight and that was a mantra I repeated to myself a lot my body is my home and that I was creating more of me for myself to love and for other people to love. And I think the whole idea is, is that, you know, it not I don't want to think of our bodies as a vessel because that's a little bit handmaid's tale. But <laughs> the idea, the idea of it being, I suppose, a home like it's for you. It's, it's to help you achieve the great things that you could achieve in the world and do the things you enjoy, meet the people you love and spend time with them. And, and so much of that is independent or all of it's independent of whatever number is on the scales or like I say what size jeans you buy or top you wear um that's so true and I love your analogy about the house and just having more space and room to love and more 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 for people to love and I think that's a really lovely analogy and I I really really enjoy that I think that's great that definitely helped a lot personally anyway. Um, there's two co- last things I wanted to ask you about because I know um, we're both chatters, so I don't yeah. want to take up too much of your time. Um, the last thing from a fitness point of view I wanted to ask you about was just something you've spoken about quite a lot, which really resonated with me, which was activity trackers. And just going back to the idea of intuitive movement, um, you've done a few posts about encouraging people to maybe try some time without it. And I'd love to know your experience with this. So... Yeah, so with intuitive movement, I really encourage people to take their fitness trackers off because I think they're a huge disruptor in the way we connect to ourselves and the way we trust ourselves. If we're constantly looking to a watch on our wrist to validate our of being in our body in the moment, A, it stops us being in the moment. It's harder to be present because we are often constantly checking the watches mm-hmm. um, and doing things for this external number. And... Secondly, um, often we can do a great workout 
and then we see numbers on the, our wrists that don't that we don't want to see wanted to see something different mm. and then often it really undermines the whole experience that you may have just had because you didn't reach the numbers you thought you did even though you had a great time yeah. and I think those two reasons um are one of the main reasons why I encourage people to take them off because I don't think fitness trackers are inherently evil however I don't really think we need them I think most people know themselves best um, mm. they can be a training tool in some instances you know if you're a long distance runner you want to know how what your yeah. pace is if you're training to do a certain time for a certain race mm-hmm. um, they have their value there but they're large when it comes to calories they're largely inaccurate um, and you know this idea that we have to walk 10,000 steps a day was just a marketing mm. tool from a Japanese company in the 60s who created yeah. the first pedometer so really um we don't need them is the main thing we don't need them and if people are listening and they feel like they have a pretty okay relationship with them and they don't find themselves you know walking up and down the stairs at the end of the day to reach their steps or feeling guilty if they get buzzed to stand up um then and they are able to take have periods of time without it then I think you know you do you and if you feel like it's something you like to have in your life occasionally then that's okay However, I think if you are in the category of people who, um, you know, do find themselves trying to make up the steps, feel like they have to wear it, feel like the workout doesn't count unless it's been tracked Mm. um, and look to those numbers for validation and feel disappointment if you don't see the numbers you want to see, then Mm. that's a reason to experiment taking them off and seeing how you feel. Um, I think to say to people like, no, you're not allowed to wear them is the wrong approach. I think it's really about just saying to yourself like, okay, I'm just going to try one day without it. Okay. I'm going to try a few days. Maybe Mm. how's a whole week without it? How did I feel without knowing those numbers? Um, and you know, I used to wear fitness trackers a lot. Um, I used to use them to tell myself how much I got to eat every day, which Mm. is extremely wrong and distorted you know I wasn't formally you know I wasn't I wasn't I didn't think I was dieting but if I felt like oh I've done I've done quite a lot um it says I've burned quite a lot of calories today so I'll eat more even if I wasn't hungry you know ignoring your hunger and fullness cues is another that's an intrusive eating conversation but that is a one way we're not connecting with ourselves and not truly understanding what our bodies need and I realized I was just constantly overriding my own cues from this watch so and my watch I I never intentionally took it off I I think it broke and I just never had another one and Mm. I just realized that I didn't miss it in the slightest and not knowing those numbers was great and um I didn't it was great. I didn't need to know. It was wonderful. Even I was the exact same. Yeah. Even the app on my iPhone. I only ever look at the steps if I've been, I often do, um, during lockdown, I've done some like really long walks. Mm. And I'm just always curious to know, like, oh, that was like, you know, nearly 20 kilometer walks, which for me feels really far. Yeah, um, that is really far. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's, it's like being a bit of a day out. And, yeah. and then I'm like, oh, I'm curious about that. But I don't need to know that number every day. In fact, I look at that number maybe like once every couple of months. Yeah. And that's, for me, a healthy relationship with it. So um, it varies on the individual and it varies on our own history and our own relationships with ourselves and numbers in general. But, yeah, if you find yourself 
make things get made or broken by those numbers, then it's worth having a break. I was the same. Mine, um, battery died. Battery died on mine. Mine was yeah. very basic, um, very basic one. But it battery died last this time last year actually. And I was like, you know what? I care way too much if this says ten thousand or not. Even though I know, like, I knew the whole history of the ten thousand steps about mm-hmm. it being a marketing employee. And I was like, you know what? No, let's just rule out the competition with ourselves here. And mm-hmm. I just never recharged it. And um, then I realized about a month later, I was like, wow, yeah, no, this is just yeah it's you don't I I find the enjoyment I get from a walk is the fresh air it's a sunrise if I can catch it but sometimes I don't get up in time to do that or it's you know the green space or the blue sky Mm -hmm. it's nothing to do with the number like you the odd time if I've had a very very like if I was like I went to Prague with my sister last year and we walked the legs off ourselves and I was like hang on now like she got shin spins we walked so much oh wow I was like let me just have a look and see how yeah. much I've walked you all over this city and it was it was quite a lot but anyway she's forgiven me since but um that that'd be like like you did the very odd time out of a curiosity thing um and it, it comes back to relationship with fitness doesn't it like and relying like learning an internal cue as opposed to relying on an external one I guess yeah absolutely yeah um absolutely thanks so much tally this has been such an interesting conversation and i could talk to you for hours but we both should probably listen to our internal hunger cue (laughs) (laughs) and have our dinner for the evening um can i finish with one last question which is something i ask all my guests i am my um handle on instagram and my blog is the irish balance which is something i think that is a journey and not really a destination but i would love to know what helps you find um a moment of balance in your day particularly at the moment with lockdown and the pandemic and everything getting outdoors is really important for me and this lockdown i made a promise to myself that i would try and get outdoors most days well if not every day i've already broken that promise to myself however um even just like today i went and ate my sunshine on our little balcony oh lovely and just to get out some just to literally get some vitamin d and some sunshine because you know being busy all day and unable to go out but do you know what at the moment as well it's autumn there's the leaves on the ground I'm obsessed with the the colors and then yes what kicking my feet through leaves I Mm. it's like my inner child just wants to run through them throw them everywhere kick about I just want to have fun so I have to say for me it's really been getting outside whether that be to go on a slow run <laughs> I'm a slow runner, yeah. <laughs> or just go for a walk around the block it's been really yeah. important for me right now that's such a lovely answer I feel like I'm seeing autumn for the first time this year and I don't know what hey. it is but like I don't think I've ever appreciated autumn so much maybe it's a lockdown thing but when I go outside now I'm like oh my god like the green and the orange and the blue I come back and I'm like telling my mom on the phone she's like okay calm down it's just leaves. I'm like, no, you don't get it. They were so orange. <laughs> I'm the same. I've been exactly the same. And I have to say, I realised this. I think I turned 30 a few mm. weeks ago. And I think it's that. I think it's like, wow, all these things that I just didn't appreciate as much before. Yeah. Now I'm just, I just love them. And yeah, yeah can't, can't get enough. Can't of, get enough. Of beautiful autumnal, autumnal colours. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for your time. I so appreciate you coming on the podcast. And I'd love if you could let people know where to find you on social media or your website and any events you want to flag. I know we've talked about the book and the podcast, of course. Um, but just if you let people know where to find you, I'm sure they're going to want to after this conversation. 
So you can find me on Instagram at Tally Rye. You can also find my podcast on Instagram, which is at Train Happy Podcast. And the podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, CastBox, all sorts of places. And um, my book is available at all good bookstores, um, including the one with the big A. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> love it I've actually been haunting Tally um, for your book around Galway and all of our bookshops and none of them have it and I was trying to support local so I wasn't ordering it on Amazon but I'm going to have to do that now because well, you, none of them can, have it <laughs> you can if you order in at your local bookshops then I heard this trick that generally if someone orders something in then they're more likely to stock it as well okay well that's I like that then we'll have it in Galway as well I need yes. all of Galway to see it see Ireland's a bit like I live in if I was in Dublin I'd say like it'd be easy to find but Galway's a bit tricky because it's a bit smaller so the um the local shops are are a bit trickier to find the more mainstream stuff oh but bring listen, train happy to Galway I would love oh that. I will I'll send you a picture when they get it in. <laughs> <laughs> listen thanks so much for your time Tally it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and um thanks so much to everyone for listening if you did enjoy this podcast episode please do tag myself and tally in your instagram stories and as always send a dm if you want to get in touch and let us know what you thought and thanks so much tally and i'm sure we'll have to have you on the podcast again soon thank you so much it's been a real pleasure bye bye bye